welcome in to the Crypto Bunker podcast. I hope you guys can hear me. Um, I'm on the road right now, but I was just listening to the podcast from Peter McCormick and Jack Maulers. And even though, like, probably no one, uh, you know, might hear this, like, now, because, like, not a lot of people listen to my anchor. I haven't even actually been posting on it. I've been mainly posting on YouTube, uh, the Crypto Bunker podcast on there. But I figured this is just so important and I can't really make a video right now. So um, it's crazy. I mean, Jack Maulers is a living legend. He is literally just, he is going to go down as one of the most important humans to ever be, uh, to walk the earth. And I know that that sounds extreme, but hear me out. He's basically enabling El Salvador citizens the ability to send money back and forth from the U.S. to El Salvador and, and vice versa for zero fees using the Bitcoin network as the, um, like the settlement layer. So it saves these people so much money from sending this, from sending, uh, dollars back and forth to each other. It's going to end up saving them over 50%, about 50% of their wealth. And you know, there's just so many things that Strike is doing right now that are, it seemed to be changing the world. And, you know, I'm just thinking about Bitcoin and it's really not about the price. You know, it's just not. It's about like freedom and it's about people being able to store their wealth in a secure network that doesn't inflate and, you know, um, there is no centralized control. As you can see, I mean, the miners are leaving China. And to be honest, this was one of my biggest fears uh, when I first started using Bitcoin. I thought, what if Bitcoin or what if China actually does ban Bitcoin mining? You know, what if they actually do like kick these people out? Um, will that actually crash the price to, you know, crazy levels? And it obviously has crashed the price so far, uh, but not as much as I thought. And obviously we could go lower, but it's not going to like kill the network. It's not going to kill Bitcoin. And that's, I think, really important to show that even if a country does ban Bitcoin mining, it's really about the internet and the access to electricity that powers the Bitcoin network and the fact that there is Bitcoin mining companies listed publicly on the NASDAQ and there is, you know, people running Bitcoin nodes throughout the country who are basically the people who are protecting the network. It's not technically the miners, but what Jack Mahler's is doing with Strike, he's talking like he's saying, he's talking to the NFL, 
He's talking to, you know, uh, Premier League teams. Uh, you know, he's talking to all these different entities who want to link up with Strike to be able to pay their employees in Bitcoin. Um, it just seems like things are happening behind the scenes that fundamentally make Bitcoin so strong that, you know, you can't really look at Bitcoin as an invest, as like a speculative investment. I mean, how, how could it get destroyed at this point? Like no countries can ban it. You can't ban Bitcoin. You would have to shut the internet down. And you know what? If we live in a society where there is no internet and we're and just the entire world is North Korea, then we're going to obviously have some way bigger problems than money. And we're probably all going to be in like a prison camp or something. So, uh, you know, that's basically the only way that this doesn't work out. And we're so early still to think about Bitcoin being at 35,000. It's literally like the biggest gift that we've ever experienced uh, during, you know, Bitcoin's existence. For the price to be where it's at right now, below, basically right where Tesla bought uh, their Bitcoin was like 33, 34,000. For us to go all the way back to that, I think is an obvious sign that there is some manipulation in the market. And it's not that hard to manipulate if you have unlimited money printers like the U.S. does and the U.S. banks to be able to get into these networks, buy up the coins, and then crash the price so that they can accumulate more slowly while also manipulating it, you know, sideways or down so that they can continue to accumulate uh, over time. Because what they're going to do is they're going to make it as painful as possible, just like they do with gold, where um, they're going to basically, I think, for the next maybe four months, they're going to, um, you know, just drift the price sideways, just sort of like what it was when it was like 10K uh, during last summer. And it was just, it couldn't get above 10K. It kept going back to 9,500, 9,000, uh, 11K, then it got knocked back down. So many different instances. And like, looking back at it, I mean, like I was disappointed that it wasn't going up. And But like, I never lost my conviction in Bitcoin itself. And really, it was a blessing in disguise that it actually just went sideways. And I know that a lot of retail investors don't like, you know, when things are going sideways, but you have to understand like Bitcoin is so revolutionary and um, it, it needs the volatility to be able to grow. Uh, it can't just go straight up. It needs to, you know, go through these sideways motions so that, you know, the true believers stick around, they continue to accumulate. So we're basically transferring the money from retail investors who were just there for a pump and dump to people who actually believe in it and want to use it in the future and will hold it for a longer period of time. So it's actually a really good thing for Bitcoin. And 
to bring it back to Jack Mahler's, I mean, just having El Salvador be the first country to implement Bitcoin officially into their monetary network and basically become a Bitcoin country. It looks like Paraguay is going to be next. There's going to be other South American countries that do it. There's going to be countries in Eastern Europe. Um, you know, Jack was uh, Mahler's was also talking about... Um, he was also talking about uh, the EU. So Europe, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, they're, they're probably going to have some banks that want to use uh, Bitcoin as a settlement layer. You know, um, it's really interesting because I think Ethereum is also trying to do that same thing. And I think it probably will achieve that. Uh, but because Bitcoin was first, it does have the most security around it. And it is the most... Um, sort of stable uh, sort of um, policy around it and people know what they're you know that these like small changes that Bitcoin makes over time it's nothing too crazy um, I think that that gives countries a little bit more comfortability with operating with Bitcoin obviously there is countries who are using Ethereum for other things like bonds issuance and um, you know stable coin things like that uh, you know, so I think obviously I, I do think they both have a place in the future, but it just really brings me back because there's a lot of times where you want to invest in, you know, other things that are really cool, right? Like the metaverse, you know, like Decentraland and, uh, investing in these like virtual worlds and, you know, the currencies of the virtual worlds and things like that, that are very nuanced. And, you know, de decentralized finance and, you know, Polkadot making their own ecosystem of different uh, tokens and parachains and things. Um, but at the end of the day, it truly really is Bitcoin that is the king in the sense that it's like the original purpose of crypto was to give people a medium of exchange, unit of account, fungible, fungible token, which means you can recognize it with anybody else. You can send it across the world in 30 minutes for less than $10, any amount. Um, it's very secure. And it's also guaranteed that there will only ever be 21 million coins. And to think that you know, it's just going to be digital gold, that might be selling it a little bit short uh, because the network itself is a social network. Gold doesn't have that social aspect that Bitcoin does where the more people that use it, the more the price goes up and the more, uh, you know, the security goes up and all these things. Gold is gold. You find it in the ground. You hold it forever. You sort of uh, look at it gold as like something where like if the world was ending you would want gold uh, to hold on to you know um, but you know it's like you know and like I'm, I'm a you know the crypto bunker so obviously like I have appreciation for the conspiracies and things like that that talk about like the end of the world and things like that but you know Bitcoin is a little bit more of a bet on uh, 
you know, ingenuity and innovation and like a brighter future. And, you know, gold is sort of like almost hoping for the worst. Um, if you really want like your gold to go up, it's sort of like, uh, you know, like when we had COVID, obviously gold did really well because that sort of felt like the end of the world. But people ran to Bitcoin as well in that scenario. So I think Bitcoin is, is a bet not only on against governments, uh, against money printing, but also a bet on innovation that we will continue to innovate as a society, get more technologically and digitally sound so that we can, um, you know, continue to be innovative as a society, exchange value with uh, other people uh, in a currency that we know can't be debased. And I think that that's what's important about what Jack Mahler's did, and I just wanted to say that today. Thanks for listening.